Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, covering Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson. Yes. Emily's favorite book. It's so good! This week, we read Chapter 8, A Powerful Lie. Chapter 9, The Threads of a Screw. Chapter 10, Distractions. And chapter 11, The Rift. Ooh, The Rift. What's a rift? <laughs> <laughs> Emily, at first brush, what did you think of these chapters? Oh my gosh, Megan, you were 100% right when you told me Oathbringer was going to be my favorite book. Oh my goodness. So like, Brandon Sanderson has this luxury of like starting off this really big, like we get a ton of emotional payoff and a ton of answers at the beginning of this book because we've just read 2,000 other pages. And so like this book starts in the middle of like mystery and, you know, we've succeeded, but at what cost and what are we going to do next? And like, it was just, it was really, really good. I am so glad. Uh... (laughs) Hey, how's Shalon doing? Um, not super great. Not super good. Let's get started with chapter eight. Remember Emily, you read the epigraph? Wait, remember at the beginning of our podcast and we were reading The Way of Kings? Do you remember all the way back then? No. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, I've listened to our backlog a bunch. <laughs> um, and we would always say like, oh, on a scale of one to whatever, what kind of day is Kaladin having? Uh-huh. And I feel like the turns have tabled and now it's Shalon's day of like, on a scale of terrible to not as terrible, what kind of day is Shalon having? Emily, what kind of day is Shalon having? Oh, Wait, sh- don't tell me. I want you to read the epigraph first. Okay, here we go. That moment notwithstanding, I can honestly say this book has been brewing in me since my youth. From Oathbringer Preface. I still think it's Yasna. I think Yasna is the one that is writing Oathbringer. Okay. Um, I'm jumping back one chapter to see what moment this is referencing. Mm-hmm. So in the epigraphs for part one are all pretty much the entire preface to Oathbringer. So when we get to the end of part one, I will read them all together. But here we go. I thought that I was surely dead. Certainly some who saw farther than I did thought I had fallen. I did not die. I experienced something worse. That moment notwithstanding, I can say this book has been brewing in me since my youth. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Shalon is sketchbooking. Yeah, just a normal day outside sketching. Mm -hmm. Not... Trying not to think about terrible things like when she killed her mom or her dad. She's a double parenticider. Fratricide and matricide. Uh, if you flip back one page, she's drawing this weird tower. She's drawing this weird urethiru. Mm-hmm. This is the drawing that Shalon's going for. Okay, where... okay, 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 yeah. okay. What? So, in this chapter, she talks about it gives her a weird feeling, Uh and much further down the line, we're going to find out that there has been another murder in the exact same circumstances that Sadius was found in, and, like, I think something's in the tower. I think there's a malevolent presence, because Shalon doesn't like the feeling of the tower, doesn't like the idea of people being in the tower, And she drew, yeah, you're exactly right. She drew like some weird black sun almost at the top that like, that like kind of envelops 
everything. I think something weird is going on here. Mm. That's my professional uh, prediction. This is something that you predicted before. You predicted Mm -hmm. this at the end of book two when Adolin killed Sadius, that there was a malevolent force in the tower that made him do it. Mm-hmm. So, Shalon is thinking about, like, the the sword itself is very triggering for her, and mm-hmm. now she has to summon it, like, all the time to help yeah. people come to Eurythiru. And Pattern, Pattern's having a hard time as well. Yeah, like, he just, like, wants things to kind of, maybe not go back to the way it was, but he understands things have changed. Um, and he's almost like, like trying to apologize, but also he's just, he was just fulfilling his role. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about pattern versus Zeth fulfilling your role. Mm-hmm. But at one point, uh, but uh, Shalon is just saying like, I'm okay. It's okay. Like she's just telling him basically she trying to brush lying. him off. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm okay. Just let me draw. And pattern's like, Ooh, a powerful lie. Like, And that's a lie I think all of us tell ourselves sometimes. Like when we're in like a really terrible situation or something bad is going on, we're like, Mm -hmm. it will be okay. I just, just like, let me just do this one thing to like maybe help calm myself down. And, you know, I don't know. Pattern and Zeth. Okay. Pattern was doing something he, I don't know if it's coded in him as a spren to do, to like awaken Shalon is a radiant and in order to do that he had to do this terrible thing which was make her remember this thing that she did not want to do did he literally have to do that like like is it encoded in his spren DNA or could he have chosen not to do it and what cost would that have had with him with Shalon with the radiance like like it's one of those like you you if you would have gone right instead of gone left, your whole life would have been different sort of a thing. And the idea of Zeth having or not having to do something, I feel ties into this somehow as well. Um, the the stuff with pattern, we don't know a lot about the Spren societies and like what the plans were and everything. Yeah. Um, we know that the cryptics were watching Shalon for a while. As a kid. As a kid and when she was at the Palinaeum. Because mm-hmm. she'd yes. see them. She would see them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the stuff that he's talking with her about here. So not the memory stuff, but like the killing her mom patterns. Like I'm really, I'm really, really sorry I understand why you hate me. I didn't mean to help you kill your mother, but it is what I did. I don't think Spren, we have not seen a Spren resist being summoned as a shard blade. Mm-hmm. But yeah. again, we don't quite know how the living shard blades really work. There does need to be a certain level of, it seems, partnership and like understanding. So like Sill couldn't be summoned as Kaladin's shard spear. Um, until Kaladin had, like, a depth and understanding of the bond and how it worked. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't have all of Shallan's backstory yet. I mean, like, no, we don't. We don't. We only know, like, what we saw. We don't know what it was with her and her cryptic when she was younger. We don't know, like, 
what was up with her in pattern or how far she progresses a night's radiant and is it fair to make a child a night radiant mm-hmm yeah yeah because yeah. this has been something that I guess has been brewing for a long time I mean if you know it's if it had happened like a Shalon was a kid and I wonder how early it was that Syl was watching Kaladin. Like do they, do they pick kids? I mean, we know we have like the cobbler, the shoemaker who had a spren, but like we don't know how long he'd had the spren, you know, that sort of thing. And, and you've got Lyft who's this little kid, you know? And, and so uh, it seems to be that they, they like to tend to pick younger people that they can mold into this idea of the night radiant which is interesting we know from a word of brandon that tn would probably have become a night radiant Mm -hmm. tn why oh oh we have hold on hold on hold on we have sorry we have a follower on instagram that i want to give a shout out to because i love their name um while you're looking that up i would like to give a shout out to belgium apparently on spotify in Belgium this month, we were ranked 122nd out of all book-based podcasts. <laughs> so thank you, Belgium. Thank you, Belgium. We love you so much. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that makes oh, that I don't makes know how many. Loved. I don't know how many book-based podcasts there are. I hope we're There's not like 122. 122. Out of <laughs> yeah. Um. But I'm sure we're, we're, it's, it's tough competition and I am proud to be placed 122nd in in all of the book podcasts in Belgium. I bet it's 122nd out of like 3,000, right? Everybody started podcasts over pandemic. We have a follower on Instagram called TN's Rock Collection and I love that name so much. And I apologize. Uh, I haven't. Was, oh, it's TN's underscore rock underscore collection underscore collection. Um, every time that pops up, I'm just like, oh, I love it. It's great. It's a great, great. But comparing that to Zeth. So when we first meet the Spren, when they come over, they are very childlike and they don't know anything about the world. Um, oh, so that would kind of make sense that like calls to like. Mm-hmm. You know, why they would find kids. But we'll say, Emily, mm-hmm. um, they're not childlike in the realm of the spread. Right. Like, yeah, it's just, I lived in heaven a long time ago. <laughs> My question is, uh, and I don't think we've gotten into this, so if I start going into Rafo territory, I totally, I totally get it, but... Can the Spren see over into the cognitive realm, into this realm? Like, can they pick someone before? Or do they just jump over and just kind of wait to be, like, tugged or pulled like like Shallan was yeah. reacting to Dalinar? Uh, this, this has been answered. The Spren watched before they chose their radiance. Okay. Okay. Um, interesting. Okay. Maybe that, maybe that kind of not ruins my Zeth pattern comparison but just the idea that spren are alien for all intents and purposes they don't always understand human connection human traditions anything like that and but i think pattern really has tried to understand this world that he has come into but 
he's like pushing and pushing and pushing for Shalon to remember like all of book two of just like you have to remember like that's kind of his that's kind of like his mission even though he kind of I mean I think if I'm recalling this correctly he kind of knew this wouldn't be good for her and she told him specifically um if I remember I'm not going to be the same person but in order for his mission to move forward he would need her to remember but he didn't have to do it he didn't it's like seth didn't have to kill everybody but he thought he had to thinking you have to is not the same as actually being having to (laughs) listen you guys can parse my poor syntax there but There's a difference between actually following an instinct, being driven to do something, and now our brains are powerful. Our brains can convince us that if I don't do this, I'll die or go to hell or whatever Zeth was afraid of. Mm-hmm. But um, to do it, though, we'll just, we'll just have to wait and see if Zeth shows up in this book. I hope he does. Okay, what here's my, here's my other thing. doing? I don't know. You know me. I love Zeth. Love him with all my little heart. It's interesting that Zeth's conundrum was about his salvation. And Pattern's conundrum is about the fate of the entire world. And what is more important, a bridge boy's brother or a king? And what's more important, one girl's mental comfort or saving the entire world? Yeah. Yeah. So while it's, it's you know, really rough what he's doing to Shallan on a personal level, if Shallan has a destiny to save hundreds and hundreds of other lives, thousands of other lives, does Pattern have a duty to kind of like, thinking about Shallan as a glow stick? <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have to break her a bit, a little bit, shake her up before she can fulfill her true brightness potential. See, I this is where this is where I really love getting into, into like literary theory, literary, you know, themes, mm-hmm. that sort of thing of just like Brandon has like woven all of these and suddenly they are all like popping out of the woodwork of just like, hey, here's something that we can compare. Hey, here's a similar thing, but it's completely different and we feel completely different about both scenarios. Like, ooh, this is the good stuff. So let's let's talk about the the little council, the little mini UN that's happening mm-hmm. in Dalinar's quarters. Yes. First of all, Shalon is very good at finding her way around the tower, and she's like, "I don't get why people can't recognize the patterns," and that's me going that. places. <laughs> I don't understand why it's been four years, but you still don't know how to get from point A to point B at a place you've been to one time for less than twenty four hours. <laughs> I just felt my spren. Listen, Emily, I cheated. My spren told me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, this is so interesting because Delinar didn't aggravate me in these these chapters, but it it really made me sympathetic to the challenges that are going to that have been placed on his shoulders, and how he is trying to how he's trying to make the best of it. Like he calls Shalon in for counsel. 
purely on the fact that she is radiant and he's like well what do you know about this and this and this like these people and these people she's like i know the names of the countries and i can probably tell you their biggest export and import but like that's it like i don't have any like innate born knowledge that has been bestowed upon me just because i'm a radiant and all of a sudden i just really felt for delinar in that moment because here he has access to like some of the most powerful people in the world, but they're just people with their normal skill sets. Like yeah. it doesn't grant them like omnipotent knowledge. That's not how the force works. <laughs> um, real fast. I want to talk about some of the different countries that they're yes. discussing. Oh, this was so great that we knew what some of them were. Yeah, there's a new emperor in Azir. Who is it? It's G- Gox. Yeah. Yeah. So so Renarin is like, hey, a change in government is going to cause upheaval, but like it might be easier for this new Azish emperor to do policy. And mm-hmm. Navani's like, Azir's not going to be a problem. They always listen to logic and reason. We've got that covered. Uh-huh. Um, there's Wait, is, another okay, place. Okay, this is a stupid question. T- yeah. Is Gox... Azirish? Yes. He has to be to be the emperor. Okay, sorry. That was a stupid question. Um, Who's the ruler of Takar, Emily? His name is Tenzim. Uh, or Tizim. Tizim. T-E-Z-I-M. Okay. Uh, claims he is an aspect of the Almighty. And Shalon's like, an aspect of the Almighty? At least he's humble. Like, I'm so glad Shalon still has... Her snark. I was so afraid that we were going to be dealing with like, like completely disassociating, traumatized Shalon. Like she's still suffering. Her, but oh, I want to bring up her snark. Yeah, Shalon's internal narration is getting meaner. Mm-hmm. She's still like Renarin has a cup of hot tea, but the room's not that cold. Yeah. Where she's, like, looking at the decorations and dismissive of, like, Ugh, it, it fits like a woman's dress on a pig. Or how could these people be so stupid as to not be able to see the pattern in the hallways? And her internal narration is getting more mean. And I don't know if it's, like, she's lashing out because she's hurt or if we're, like, waking up more of Shalon, like, a complete Shalon with, like, all of her memories is not the Shalon that we knew before. That is so interesting because um, her whole life she has been trying to fit whatever mold people need her to be. The perfect the perfect daughter, the perfect sister, the sister who saves everyone, the daughter who is, you know, worthy of her father's love after what he did for her. And, um, you know, she has to become this very, this very specific person to become Yasna's ward. Uh, she has to become this new person to become, um, is it Tin? Tin, that's who, that was who her other person was. And so Shalon has been told what she must be and has had to, like, keep a lid on everything inside of her. Like, we, we know, like, with her tutors and things, she had to be, like, either bite her tongue or be extra clever that they wouldn't understand how clever she was being. And so the idea that she's finally free and it almost... Not that she's testing boundaries, but that she has a complete freedom that she's never had before. 
And I love that she is just saying whatever she wants. It's like this new Shalon has been set free. I don't like the way she treats everybody all the time, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm also like cheering her on from the side of just like, Oh, you get to be you. You're trying you're trying to find your authentic self and where you land. Like just because someone says something mean doesn't mean they are mean a hundred percent of the time. And like sorry, I'm so I'm sorry to intercut, but this is all like internal. She's not, you know, yes. being rude and cruel to people. And no. I'm not a thought police. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I know. But I'm thinking like back to the end of the second book when she's like, Ugh, Renarin's so creepy. Like like she doesn't have any internal filter and I'm waiting for that to start spilling over into the external world and how people are going to react. And one of the most frustrating things are when people are like, oh, you don't really mean that. You don't really feel that way. And I'm like, you don't know. You don't know me. <laughs> so anyways, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's happening with Shalon. And so I say I'm not judging her. I, I am a little bit, but like, I'm intrigued to see her journey because like this is a journey that like I think a lot of people that have trauma like end up having to kind of redefine who they are after that and re rediscover who they are. And I think it's a really cool detail that Brandon has put into this. Like it's so subtle. Like I hadn't even really picked it up until you pointed out like how mean she is about stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, she is. So I think it's cool. Nice. Oh, this is, these are such good chapters. Okay. Um, I want to talk, I, I want to talk a little bit about the places. Places. The countries. Oh places. Uh, Takar and Emul. Mm-hmm. We found out from Teravangian's interlude that Takar and Emul have been in a war with each other for the last six years. Mm-hmm. Same, almost same time as the Vengeance Pact. Almost the same time as the Vengeance Pact. Interesting. Oh, hey, Emily. Nice. Thank you. And Takar and Emul are just south of Azir. And so, like, you know, Dalinar's trying to unite the whole world, but he, like, there are people who, like, don't even acknowledge, like, this isn't a part of Alethkar at all. Like, they're having their own war. So could you imagine, like... These two countries just fighting, fighting, fighting. And then from the other side of the world, a country steps in and is like, I think you two should just be friends. Right? (laughs) But the king, Tazim, who claims he's an aspect of the Almighty, he was mentioned once in Edge Dancer. That woman who was the head of the guard, she called him the God King of Tukar. Oh, Emily, where have you heard the term God King before? Uh, in Warbreaker. Mm-hmm. Yes. See, I can jump books. I can do that, too. Yeah. Look at you. You're so cool. Okay. I don't want to get on too much of a tangent, but I'm going to put out into the ether. We have world walkers. We know Hoyt is a world walker. You've told me that there are several in other books. We've Could got Chris we- and Nas. Chris and Nas. We could have, you know, we've got uh, Vasher. Uh, we could have someone else from Warbreaker. Is is Tazim a native of Roshar, or is he from? Is it Na- Nathals? Nathals? Nalthus. Nalthus. Thank you. Rafe. 
Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up about, like, Delinar has been called. He feels he has a calling. His friend is the storm father, like a piece of the almighty. You know, they're seeing this power firsthand. We know that Alethkar is not the only place the radiants are kind of waking up at this point. But yeah, I wonder what the logistics look like to the rest of the world of all of a sudden Alethkar, who like had this huge bloody fights, wars, battles, whatever to unite themselves in like almost like this savage way, like which we will read about with Dalinar's flashbacks, like who's to keep other countries from banding together and then coming and taking over Alethkar and putting themselves in charge rather than Dalinar and anybody else like this is the this is my favorite sort of story about like who's gonna get on top or who's gonna be smart enough to like sweep the legs out from under somebody else and like just who deserves to be king is it the person who was you know fought to become king is it the person who assassinates the old king to take their place like what makes a good leader ah so good but yeah you you mentioned it earlier but like dalinar sorry shallan feels pulled by dalinar yeah he's got some kind of magical charisma gravity or whatever this might be part of his bond smithing powers that's what i thought Uh, it might be and shallan is able like after I almost feel like it's like bardic inspiration in D and D. Yeah. Um, but she's able to make a Return of the Jedi style glowing map projection Iron on Man the table thing. for them all yeah. to look at. Mm-hmm. And she uses up a ton of their stormlight. Yeah. But she mentions that you know normally I have to see something to do this. So she's like, "I, how are you doing this? I don't know." I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a map of Roshar. And it turns out the tugging was from the Stormfather, that this is something the Stormfather sees. And he imparted this knowledge to Shallan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it kind of just like reinforces for Dalinar, this is what I'm supposed to do. We're supposed to unite together to fight the Desolation. Because I don't think anyone's ever been successful in fighting off the Desolation. And Dalinar understands, and like together we are stronger the hard part is with that is you're going to have to deal with you're going to have to deal with people saying like well if I'm going to help you then I want this payment in return or what's in it for me when like I feel like Dalinar's just sort of person is like you do it because it is right and other people are like that doesn't pay the bills Dalinar you know Mm -hmm. as Dalinar is talking he mentions the enemy's champion a man with nine shadows. Mm-hmm. And this peaks. This gets a reaction from someone. Who? Shalon. No. Okay. Yes. Right. But but as he's describing it. Oh, also Renarin. Okay, <laughs> listen. I was right. You were right. Both of us were right. Because he says, the man with nine shadows. What's this? Shalon says, and then goes, What's that? Like, so- sorry. I don't think a. Uh, What's that? Is the same as a <gasps> that we get from Renarin. <laughs> okay, I got, I read it as, what's that? Like it almost, okay. like I would have read it as like, maybe Shalon had heard about this in her research she'd done with Yasna before. Maybe but, she has. But yeah, we don't know about that. And so that's how I read it. 
Hey, Emily. How yes. how many how many shadows? There's only nine. I'm gonna tell you a thing. Okay, I'm ready. So you know how odium's a shard, mm-hmm. and honor's a shard. Uh huh. Odium is the ninth shard, and honor okay. is the tenth shard. So oh. ten is honor's number, and, and nine, nine is odium's influence. So. A lot of times through the book, we've seen honor's number get corrupted and turned to nine. Because, okay. Yeah. So, the idea that Yasna's shadow went the wrong way early on in book two, does that mean her shadow's been corrupted? So, I'm talking numbers, not shadows. Well, shadows he has are different nine than numbers. Shadows. He has nine shadows. And yes, we just had one shadow. Yes. But it was, I don't know if like all of a sudden you grow eight additional shadows or if it's like a one thing at a time, a little bit at a time sort of a thing. That's where I'm coming from. When we, when we get, if Yasna ever comes back. But she's alive. From her uh, whirlwind romance across Roshar with Hoyd. We'll That's have to count her shadows. Okay. Like, she's a Doctor Who villain. Okay. I was going to say, it's interesting that stuff with Renarin, like, like Brandon's definitely dropping hints of, like, Renarin is, knows more than he's letting on. Well, yeah. Hey, Emily, how did Renarin know the countdown for when the Everstorm is coming? I thought it, my assumption is that it was his spren. Uh-huh. Or some, like, radiant, like, like Dalinar was getting dreams. And yeah. I wondered if Renarin was also getting dreams, but just for the future instead. And We'll see. Yeah. Um. So we're figuring out where all the Oath Gates are. Mm-hmm. So, let's see. Azir, Shinovar, Babatharnam, Rall Elorim, the City of Shadows. Hey, we know someone from Rall Elorim. Is it a Bridgman? No. Okay, you're you're making a thing. It looks like lift. <laughs> okay, it is lift. Okay, that's where lift is from. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, Rira. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Yasna thought it was in a, it was in a specific city. Uh, the sixth was in Imea, an island that was destroyed. So Vadenar makes seven. Thalen mm-hmm. City makes eight, and the Shattered Plains makes nine, and the tenth one is in the Colinar. Sh- yeah, Colinar. And I know we'll probably get more into this, but I'm guessing that whoever ends up holding the Oath Gates is going to be is going to have a lot more power in the world than before. And so these cities, like like there was one on like this tiny little island. I mean, it's now destroyed. I'm assuming they're going to want to try and build another one somewhere to make up for that 10th one. I don't know how they're going to connect them or anything like that. But so are you saying there used to be 10 Oath Gates? I am saying that and there's only nine now. But now there's nine. <laughs> but they do have they do have an Oath Gate in Kolinar, but all communication has stopped coming out of the city. No one knows what's going on there. So that is worrying. <laughs> This is worrying me. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the thing with all of these oath gates is they are all locked. Like the one on the Shattered Plains was locked and Shallan had to open it. Mm -hmm. So 
we can't access these oath gates unless they get unlocked. Yeah. So I'm I'm hearing the start of a quest brewing. Gotta open all the gates. So we gotta we gotta make contact and peace with all the places where these gates are located and we mm-hmm. have to send a radiant there and we need the radiant to have enough stormlight in order to open the gate. And, and here's Go for it. Oh, and I was going to say, and it needs to be a Radiant who can summon their blade. So right now, only Shallan or Kaladin could do it. But later, also Renarin. Yeah. Wait, does his... It's it's in a later chapter where, like, he and Adolin are talking. They're at Gallant's pasture. Uh-huh. And Renarin uh, is, like, he's... He says he wants to give up his current blade that he has, the dead one, because he's figured out how to... Yay! Yes. So also Renarin. So that gives us three. That's pretty good. And the... Oh, I wanted to... There's a Kaladin mention in this chapter that made Mm -hmm. me laugh. Yeah. Your cat is having a grand time. She's so cute. The blinds are a little loud. Sorry for that. Oh, that's okay. Uh, She is talking about, I need to get a better view of the tower if I want to draw it. Um... Because she can't and quite so, get the angle right. Yeah. And so she's... <laughs> and so she says, basically, uh, maybe when Bright Lord Brooding Eyes returned, <laughs> he could fly her up to a mountain peak to look at it. I love that. Oh, um, oh I also want to bring up... Sorry, we jumped over this a little bit at the beginning of this okay. chapter. The scout, the messenger, talking to her about being a radiant. Uh huh. And she's a woman. Yeah, and she's like, "How is how is being a radiant? How is owning a shard blade?" And Shalon is like, "Oh no, I can still be very feminine, and I only do girl things ever." And I can see the scout is a little bit like, "Oh, <laughs> so you don't you don't get to be cool? You still have to be a girl with uh-huh. a shard." Okay, that's fine. Um, really quick before we move on to the next chapter, I just want to point out that they talk about like Yakoved has one and that that is, I love this because Brandon's already set it up in the previous book. Yakoved is now being ruled by, uh, Teravangian who wants Dalinar dead. And so Dalinar doesn't know this and he's just going to open the oath gate and just like let assassins through the oath gate. No big deal. Like I'm worried about this. My great big buddy, my best friend, great good buddy, Teravangian. So trustworthy. So, so cool. trustworthy. All right. And then we need Witha. The scout from before is back. It's the same scout. Her name is Lynn. And we have seen her before. In book two, I think. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to look her up. Yeah. I, and I may not put this in the, in the episode, but I just wonder if Lynn is what, like, you know, we have the, the horse master who was teaching the bridge four how to ride horses and uh-huh. how like she was kind of like straddling the line between masculine and feminine where it didn't sus- specifically state horses or a masculine or feminine thing i wonder if this messenger leans more towards liking things that are looked upon as more masculine than feminine mm-hmm. all right well keep an eye out for lynn and why is Lynn here? What message is she bringing? Ah, there's been another murder. There's been another murder! Emily, give us the, the epigraph for chapter 9. Okay, so this is chapter 9, The Threads of a Screw. 
The sum of my experiences has pointed at this moment. This decision. From Oathbringer Preface. <gasps> what decision? The decision to become a heretic? <laughs> we'll just have to read all of Oathbringer. Okay. Well, there's been another murder. Emily, tell <laughs> us about the murder. So uh, this time it is... Hold on, I'm just going to give the, the overview of the... Who was it? I'm trying to find out who it was. Uh, Adolin didn't know who he was. Well, they um, know who he is. He's and they they are going to go talk to um, the Bright Lord that he was a member of. So who yeah. who got murdered? Who was it? Um, Do we not find it's, out? It's, it's some other light eyes. Yeah, but Adolin doesn't know who this guy is. Right, and the issue with this is that he, this man was killed in the exact same manner. I think the exact same way, same eye being stabbed through as Sadius. Like, the positioning, the puncturing of the eye, Navani calls out, like, this is exactly like the other crime scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Shalon is seeing Adolin freak out about this, and she doesn't know why. And so, like, she asks him a couple times. She's like, okay, do you know the guy who died? Do you know who did this? Like, she can tell Adolin's got something with this and obviously she doesn't know that Adolin is a secret murderer and Adolin doesn't know Shallan is a secret murderer they're perfect together yep I can't wait till we find out that Kaladin is also a secret murderer (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) as they're as they're looking this over really fast oh yeah so the murder scene gruesome mm-hmm. murder no one is stopping navani from going and poking at the body like no you one's gonna what? stop this woman she's rcsi ex- <laughs> yes she's like this is her job like she's like okay we're gonna figure this out and shalon is looking around instead at the room and figuring out like this was a bathing chamber like she's looking at like oh there's spouts and i'm wondering if that is like shalon just disassociating from what's going on and just being like I'm going to gather information instead of looking at what is in front of me because it's terrible. That's what I think it is. I think it's her distracting herself. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, yeah, and that's what I was going to bring up too. Okay. I know you'll probably ask me this, but I'm going to come out and say it. I don't think Adolin did this. <laughs> I was I should have asked you that. <laughs> I should have. He's found a taste for it now. It's his signature. <laughs> He's Alvis Car serial killer. Oh, okay. What what would his serial killer name be though? If he went on and like killed like a bunch of people, what do you think the Alethi newspapers would call him? Uh the the I wanna make a pun with eyes somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Like the eye of the almighty. <laughs> <gasps> oh. <laughs> yeah, so so Shalon normally quite an observant person gets jump scared by Renarin standing behind her. Yes. Like she jumped and squeaks and like she blushes like she's so bad that um shame spren show up. Mm-hmm. Listen, I will say my first read through, I didn't think much of this and this time through with you, I'm like, there is something up with how Shalon is treating Renarin, like that yeah. we talked about in Words of Radiance. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm going to keep an eye on that. What's yeah. her deal? Um, but also, if I was at a murder scene, I would be particularly jumpy as well. Yeah. Uh, so 
Dalinar, most of his normal detectives are dead or doing something else. So who gets put in charge of finding out who killed Sadius? World's greatest detective, Adolin Colin, a.k.a. World's Sadius's murderer. <laughs> the last person you'd ever suspect is the detective. <laughs> and like... Adel is just like, me? Like, he you can't did say... well investigating the incident with the king's saddle, even if that turned out to be something of a wind chase. Aladar is high prince of information. Go to him, explain what happened, and set one of his policing teams to investigate, then work with them as my liaison. You want me, Adolin said, to uh-huh. investigate who killed Sadius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, for some reason, I thought this happened at the very, very beginning. I thought Adolin got set to do this as soon as they found Sadius's body. Oh. Which is why I was, like, so excited to read it and that it didn't happen. I may have said something in our episode of, like, wait, I thought that it happens here. I, I love that Adolin has to investigate the murder that he, so, Emily, Talk to me about this. Does Adolin find... Because there is also a real murderer besides Adolin, whoever Mm -hmm. did this other one. Yeah. So, one, how is Adolin going to go about investigating this? And two, how far will he go to cover up his own involvement? That is so fascinating because I'm thinking, like, Alethi are all about honor. Like, we talked about this when we were reading about Sadius's murder, about how, like, this was not the Alethi way. This was not the honorable way of facing someone on the battlefield, of just, like, jumping someone and murdering them. But I can't help but wonder if, like, the Alethi honor of, like, fessing up to your crimes, because, like, book one, Sadius executes people for their mistakes, And so there's not a real big incentive to confess your mistakes, especially in the army. But like, this almost feels like bigger than that. And I'm kind of rambling at the moment, but I, I don't think Adolin's going to want to confess that he killed Sadius in such an underhanded way. I mean, like if he'd killed Sadius during the duel that was supposed to happen, that would have been cool. No problem. But this wasn't sanctioned by anybody, you know? He just kind of took it upon himself. I think he was possessed. Oh, were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say that, like, I love you brought that up, that the plan was always for Adolin to kill Sadius. Mm-hmm. So he just accomplished the plan in a different way. Yeah. So maybe he should be like, no, do you know what? I actually killed Sadius. But this other guy, I don't know. So I didn't do you think, do this? Yeah, do you think he admits that? I think eventually he will. I think he's going to admit it to either Shalon or Renarin. I don't think he will go to his father or Navani about it. I think he will he will confess it to his peers. But then I don't know what they're going to do with that information. If he's asking them for help, maybe like several more murders happen. And he goes to them. And he's like, listen, I am investigating this. I know who killed Sadius. It was me. I have no idea who's killing these other people. Ugh. Ugh. But again, Shalon is like, Adolin has feelings about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but she sees Renarin is also picking something up in the situation. Uh, He watched Adolin with unblinking sapphire eyes. He was always a little strange, but he seemed to know something she didn't. 
on the wall, pat- on her skirt, pattern hummed softly. Is that jealousy, jealousy I hear? Okay. So, in order for someone to kill this dude, the same way that Sadius died, has to be someone who saw the first body, right? That's got to be the first pool of suspects, because otherwise, how would they be able to replicate the murder? Unless remember, it's magical. Yeah, remember? Like you're suggesting. Remember that horror TV show that we watched called The Guest? The Guest, yeah. And people would get possessed and commit a murder and then take care of themselves all in the same way by stabbing themselves in the eye. And it was this ghost kind of playing out these actions over and over and over again. So I don't want to say it's ghosts, but I also want to say it's ghosts. Um, So I, that's the thing. If it is just like whoever ends up being possessed, the suspect pool goes from whoever initially saw Sadius and maybe copied him, quote unquote, uh, if we decide it's ghosts, the suspect pool suddenly goes to every single person in Eurythiru, mm-hmm. which sucks. And if they act like Adolin did, or all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I just killed somebody, and they try and cover it up, either you're going to have to wait for someone to be really bad at it, you know, and who knows how many people are going to die by then. Or... If it's not ghosts, it's a serial killer who's taking advantage of the fact that somebody else murdered in this very specific way and they're just murdering people to copy this initial murder to cover up the tracks and to pin it on the first murderer. Does that make sense? I felt like I just went in circles there, but does that make sense? It does. So that does make sense and we'll we'll have to see. But as this chapter wraps up, Shalon is asking Adolin again, hey, what's up? with you what's going on here do you know who did this and Adolin's like I don't know who did this but I am going to find out Shalon sees Renarin watching from a higher level up on the walkway mm-hmm. <gasps> maybe that's one of he Renarin's Adolin. I'll go for it oh I'm gonna read this bit he watched Adolin with unblinking sapphire eyes he was always a little strange but he seemed to know something she didn't okay. on her skirt pattern hummed so this, this, I feel like we're getting to the part of the podcast where like I have enough knowledge previously that I'm going to start trying to make a lot of connections, which may or may not be correct. Um, but the idea that like there are factions of Spren that don't like each other. And I wonder if, if Renarin has one of those Spren that don't really coincide with um Shallan's type of sprint and that's the why cryptics. the cryptics yeah because we know that we know that the honor sprint and the cryptics don't get along and i'm gonna triple check but i think renarin told us what kind of knight's radiant he was at the end of book two mm-hmm. uh okay renarin is a truth watcher that's oh. the name of his radiant order. Now, we don't know what, I say we, you don't know <laughs> what a truth watcher can do. Um, so he could share an ability with one of our other radiants, or he could have two completely different abilities. Mm-hmm. But Emily, what do you think a truth watcher can do? Okay, so you know how Shalon previously was able to make that... Um, make that map that she'd never seen before with Stormlight. I'm wondering, because Renarin goes up to look at it, I wonder if it's like 
he can see like the I say see because we know he sees the future maybe I'm just like making stuff up but I wonder if he can see the past of like or see what really happened like he can see the figures you know either like made of stormlight or he can see what happened before and like see the truth of what happened or Mm -hmm. if he can tell when someone's lying and so like even if he can't like see the murder that just happened um i think maybe he can sense from oh he can sense from adolin that adolin's not telling the whole truth and I wonder if he has the same issue with Shalon that Shalon has with him because Shalon is always lying. And I wonder if he's like, or if she's the one that knows like, hey, he can tell something's going on with me and she doesn't like that. I wonder if that's the like disconnect between the two of them. Okay, that he's getting rancid vibes from Shalon the same way she's getting from him because cryptics are all about lies mm-hmm. and truth watchers are like, Cut that out. <laughs> yeah. So we've kind of wrapped up this chapter, but I do have one one question. Um, it was Bridge Four that discovered um, that discovered the body, and they were the ones that went and called uh, Dalinar's men. It says, "We have you scouting the tower with Bridge Four, Dalinar asked. The Wind Runners needed extra feet, sir, and access to more scouts and scribes for maps. So are they known as Bridge Four? And Windrunners, because Kaladin is a Windrunner, and because they follow, quote-unquote, Kaladin, they also are known throughout the camps as Windrunners? Uh, I'm I'm gonna say Sparkly Rayfo, which basically means you're on the right path, but you don't have all the information yet. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, let's let's get into Chapter 10. Would you read me that epigraph, please? Uh, Chapter 10, Distractions... Perhaps my heresy stretches back to those days in my childhood where these ideas began. From Oathbringer Preface. So this chapter is Kaladin's point of view. And uh-huh. he has been trying to find cities where the Parshmen have attacked. Because that's kind of the whole point of the Desolations. And what everyone was so afraid of is that the Parshmen would attack and kill a bunch of people. But so far that hasn't happened. Yet. And so he's kind of going from place to place to place being like, did it happen here? Did it happen here? Did it happen here? Be like, hey, uh, sorry, uh, do you have a problem with, uh, Voidbringers? Emily, everything we know about Voidbringers is, like, kill, violence, like the stuff we saw with Esh and I in the last thing. Mm-hmm. What? 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 Talk to me. Okay, so what's going on by the end of this chapter is he finally, they're finally like, oh, because he shows up in another town, and they're like, oh, you're here to see the scene of the crime, basically. And he's like, yes, finally, take me to it. And what the Parshmen have done, they did injure someone, but they didn't kill them. And the Parshmen just broke into the granary and stole, like, like 99% of this harvest and then I think they're marching to Colinar. Like they're marching in that direction. I'm wondering listen, this is what I'm hoping. Because I love it when stuff gets turned on its head. Like mm-hmm. you're you're reading a story and you're like, we have all the facts. This is everything that's happening. And then you get to the end and there's like one piece of missing information or you realize someone has lied to these characters and he finds out like the thing that you believed all along is untrue. 
I'm really hoping that the Parshmen are not the Voidbringers and that they are instead, like, they're going to Kolinar, which the things we know from Kolinar are that people are starving there. Uh, they are not getting help from their leaders, from the, the royalty. The Queen or the Ardents. The Queen or the Ardents. And I'm wondering if the Parshmen are... Again, this might be a little too fantastical, but this is what I'm hoping, that the Parshman might be drawn to, like, sources of suffering, and they are a support system. But that's different from to the s- listeners. To stop... Okay, so so the storm form, the, the void bringer form, let's call them, let's just call them storm form. Okay. So you're saying storm form is drawn to suffering to alleviate the suffering or to help the suffering do more suffering oh that's a good question because like initially you would think oh they stole the food everyone's gonna starve but i'm like what if they're taking the food to someone who needs it like more? we know there's a bunch of people starving in colonar yeah i mean there's people starving all over i'm sure but so i'm wondering what is drawing them specifically to colonar at least that's a direction they were heading whether or not they actually make it there that's a whole nother story so I think there's something a little deeper going on than just, they're the bad guys, you know. Um, let's talk about Syl and Kaladin's conversation okay. about Syl having kids. <laughs> I loved that. Uh, so they're trying to figure it out, like, can you, like, can you have babies, friend? You call the Stormfather father. Did he birth you <laughs> and Kaladin's like I don't know about the reproductive system honestly and at this point I'm too afraid to ask just kidding Liren probably gave I was him about to like say, as a very doctor, factual this is how it happens yeah, yeah. As, a, as a surgeon he knows how it all works but again the Spren are alien who knows if because like they just tend to pop up wherever like we talk about the shame spread that that Shalon saw. They're only there. Oh, are they are they there all the time? Or are they only visible when like a strong enough emotion happens? Or are they born at that moment that the strong emotion happens? Ooh, life. Okay. <laughs> We've got a little bit of world building here in Horn Hollow in this village. Oh wait, wait, sorry. I'm um, going back out- to. Sorry, I have one more thing to say okay. about Sil. Um, because Kaladin's like you could maybe do that like take little bits of wind or honor and like shape them and Sil's like yeah I'd be a good mom I could teach them to fly I could teach them to harass you like I just love their their conversation they have because later on he has Sil become a blade again and he calls it the Sil blade and I thought that was so cute yeah so the radiance before the recreants the, the old radiance, way, way back before mm-hmm. it all went pear-shaped. Yeah. They all would have been friends with their spren like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the spren all died. <laughs> he hate that. What happened? What happened? <laughs> yeah, like, what? Ellie, what happened to the recreants? Why did, why did they mass murder their spren? I mean, my first thought, I don't think it's correct, but my first thought is... The Spren were up to something, and in order to stop it, they had to kill them all. But I hate that. I don't like that idea. Yeah, you think that all ten different kinds of Spren who don't like each other were colluding? Well, you've got Dalinar trying to connect all of Roshar, and everybody hates everybody. But for something that's important enough, they would come together, I would assume. Yeah. And so, I don't know, maybe that was happening with the Spren, maybe... 
maybe there was something big enough that the Spren were like, cool, if we all come together, this will happen. <sighs> but like, not everyone was privy to that. And so a lot of people see the Knights Radiant as traitors. And we get that mentioned with in one of Shallan's chapters and also in Kaladin's chapters, how like history has painted Radiance as like these traitors and no one really should want to work with the Radiance, but in like unprecedented times, like any any help is appreciated. So like even help from uh-huh. quote unquote the enemy. All right. Well, keep an eye out. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this village is called Horn Hollow and we've got some interesting world building here. Uh, there are two large storm sanctuaries where travelers could stay, um, but there's other outer buildings. So this high prince's land is if you are a dark eyes with a high enough non, you could work on an unused hill and keep a portion of the crops. Mm-hmm. So like we're seeing a bit more about how their economy works. And there is a town meeting happening. Kaladin shows up. He's getting ready to do his speech. And they already know who he is. I, know. I felt like he was maybe just like the tiniest bit disappointed of like, oh, like he doesn't want to be like a, a circus act. But at the same time, he's kind of like, oh, OK, <laughs> you've already heard my spiel. Uh, and they've got a bunch of Stormlight Spheres for him. Yes. OK, question. How long does the weeping last again? Typically several months. OK. Because we've. Or, or weeks, I guess. We've seen the weepings happen a couple times in books one and two. Yes. But, like, a lot of the issue here is the lack of stormlight. And one of the one of the high princes had the foresight to put out a bunch of spheres before the very last one. And now he's been able to charge, like, way more than normal in order for, like, Dalinar and, the, and like, Shallan to use mm-hmm. the stormlight. And so, like... Kaladin's been going through the cities and like collecting, buying off the spheres with stormlight in them. Yeah. So typically the weeping only lasts for a few weeks or a couple months at a time. Mm-hmm. But the weather patterns have been severely affected yes. by something recently. That's my worry is that their access to stormlight seems to have been cut off. And like most of their society runs on stormlight. Like, you think about when Zeth was uh, there to kill Gavilar, and he's looking at, like, all the gems inlaid into the into the hallway, and he's like, this is profane. They're just using Stormlight for decoration. Like, it seems like other places in the world, everyone's going to view Stormlight a little differently. But that's all going to change once, like, the Night Radiant become, like, more of a known thing. Yeah. And something else to think about is Dalinar has now bonded the Stormfather. Oh, yeah. Do you think he could say, hello, Stormfather, I'd like to custom order a high storm, please, or Stormfather doesn't seem like he'd be into that, though. Is that what the Dalinar figurine was doing? Was he, like, using Stormlight? Rafo. <laughs> You know, now you know two spoilers about Dalinar. You know that at some point someone talks about his butt. <laughs> and he does something with magic hands. But <laughs> magic hands. He's, he's technically a radiant now, so it shouldn't be. I don't think it's that much of a spoiler to say he's got some magic. I'm wondering if, because, okay, 
I know Lyft's thing where she eats food and is able to create Stormlight. I know that is a Night Watcher gift and not her Radiant powers. But I would think it would be very important for Radiance to be able to maybe at one point produce their own Stormlight if like everyone runs off of Stormlight. Or do do all of the Radiance run off of Stormlight? Ratha. Okay, okay. This is so fun. I love it so much. Like, does does Renarin have to be using Stormlight in order to watch the truth? Right, because he heals, he heals, Adolin. He heals Adolin later. Yeah, but we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get, we'll get, to, get to that. that. Okay. But also, sometimes Radiants have gifts that are not part of their powers. For example, Shallan's ability to capture memories and draw them doesn't require Stormlight. But that doesn't seem like a typical Lightweaver gift. Yeah, yeah. Although, do you know what? I think one of the epigraphs in Words of Radiance mentioned the, like, incredible memories of the Lightweavers must be exaggerated. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. So, yeah. Um, Speaking of Shallan, Syl thinks that Syl thinks that they should get together yes and i'm like no (laughs) because Syl doesn't trust adolin why he carries a shard blade he she distrusts anyone who carries a shard blade and she puts it in a way she puts it in a way um i'm gonna read kaladin's line and then you read Syl's line yeah so, yeah, because Kaladin's like, we've been over this. It's not a mark of bad character to have bonded one of the weapons. Yes. Well, let's have someone swing around the corpse of your sisters by the feet, and we'll see whether you consider it a mark of bad character or not. Like, oof, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay. She didn't say sisters and brothers. She only said sisters. Are all honor spren female? Stormfather's not. Well... Yeah, but he's like the only oh God, one. Little mermaid situation <laughs> happening. The daughters of honor, a father who lives up in the white sky. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, Silfrena, Siltina, Solena, Solana, and Sariel. <laughs> it's been a while since I've asked you to print up a few shipping labels. Uh-huh. I'm going to let you know they are rare. I'm not one of them, but there are Kaladin Sill shippers. How do you feel about that? I can definitely see why people would think that, but that's that's not currently a ship that I ship. Mm-hmm. We have seen her person-sized. Oh, yeah. Like that, like she's able to change shape, change size, yeah. change all of these things, but like... I think at this point I wouldn't ship them together because she's so far behind him in Mm -hmm. experience and knowledge. Even though she seems very timeless, this sort of relationship to me currently at this point in the book feels like there's a huge age gap between her and and Kaladin. And Mm -hmm. to me, I don't care for giant age gaps. I mean, minus vampires, you know, and whatever. Like, that's a different sort of a thing. Oh, are you saying with magical beings, it's different? <laughs> I would just say she she seems too naive to know exactly what she'd be getting into. I think once she grows and matures, I I still don't see it because I see her as more of like a mentor to Kaladin. So. Okay. 
I will say I see Ichigo and Rukia vibes with these two. That she is from, she's an, an ancient being from another dimension, <laughs> but needs to learn about being human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I, that's where I see That's it. where you see it. Yeah. Yeah. To me. I don't want this ship. And I hope in the year 2040, when the final book comes out, (laughs) that people will look back on this episode and be like, can you believe Megan hates Kaladin and Sill's children? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm looking at how hydrated my skin is. (laughs) I drank so much water yesterday. Just so much. Listeners. I walked for 19 miles yesterday, and I'm very sad because I wanted to walk for 20. <laughs> Don't feel too bad for her, though, because she did it all in Disneyland, so, like... <laughs> yeah, and I did take several breaks to stand in line for rides, so I bet if I wasn't weak and actually had, no. you know, self-control that I could have hit the full 20 miles, but... Which rides did you ride? I rode Indiana Jones because the wait was only half an hour, nice. and I rode Star Tours, and I rode the Little Mermaid ride. Oh, I love it! It was just walk right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shipping. I, I currently, yeah, I just, I currently don't see Syl and Kaladin. Mm-hmm. Why would Kaladin not even consider dating Shallan? Because she and Adolin are together, and not that it's that's a- not what he says. Okay, it says because she's a light eyes. But that's a terrible <laughs> excuse because he's also a light eyes, even if he doesn't consider himself Just that. like Moash. <laughs> oh, no. Stupid Moash. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I I don't know if he if he's still holding on to the idea of like, oh, I'm still like you've got Adolin, light eyes you know, who's basically one of the heirs to the throne of Alethkar. And if he's still comparing himself to Adolin of just like, oh, she could never love me because of who I am. Like, dude, you're a freaking radiant. And Adolin's not. Like, finally, you have something. I'm going to say better than, in quotes, better than what Adolin has in his, like, current life situation. They've both killed people. Like... It's um, not like Kaladin's not a murderer, though. Um, what about Shallan's brother? That wasn't a murder. <laughs> what a murder? murder? <laughs> he killed him. Knife to the eye. <gasps> it's Halloran's ghost. That's who's there. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're a theory that's making everybody kill everybody else. Okay, Emily. Yes. Fighting someone who's trying to kill you on the battlefield and killed 50 of your friends is not... Okay, do you know what? No, Halloran's ghost has it right. It's just like killing Sadius one-on-one alone in a dark corner. Yeah. I would like to reiterate again, I think it's a good thing that Adeline killed Sadius. Yeah, we're not. Because that was the plan the whole time. That was the plan the whole time. So. Um, anyway, Kaladin has to banish a horrible mental illness. Uh... (laughs) Mental image. <laughs> yes. Be gone. <laughs> Foul thoughts. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> <sighs> Helen has to banish a horrible mental image uh-huh. of Syl participating in his marriage someday. Or his Shouting relationships. Shouting encouragement. Um, um, 
stop spying on people when they're being intimate. It's creepy. The way she spoke, she expected to be there when Kaladin... Well, he'd never considered that before, though she went with him everywhere else. Could he convince her to wait outside? She'd still listen, if not sneak in to watch. Stormfather, his life just kept getting stranger. He tried, unsuccessfully, to banish the image of lying in bed with a woman, still sitting on the headboard and shouting out encouragement and advice. And you know she would do it to be like, I'm helping! Like, yeah. Do you read the Dragon Riders of Purd series? Yes, yes. Okay. So when two dragons are intimate, because of the bond between dragon and rider, their riders also become intimate at the same time. And I'm imagining if Kaladin and Shallan happened, <laughs> a pattern <laughs> and still <laughs> would be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I've been feeling fine. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's banish that mental illness. <laughs> <Wink>. <laughs> Just banish it. That's all you have to do. <laughs> so the uh, storm form are moving towards Kolinar. With all the grain. And Kaladin's like, well, that's where I'm going too. Okay, so question. In a previous in a previous chapter, they're talking about... Okay, this is, this is chapter 8. It says, Shallan approached and touched him. Okay, Spanry communication into the city. They're talking about Kolinar. Had stopped working... Nobody knew the status of Kolinar. Their best clue had come via Kaladin's span read message. So is this message something he sent saying, I'm on my way to Kolinar or, hey, I'm in Kolinar and then cryptic message? Where does, where, where is that? It's the, the, at the end of chapter eight, where they're talking about the Oathgate being in Kolinar. This is back when Kaladin was in Hearthstone and he was sending messages. Okay. Okay. So Kaladin has not been to Kolinar yet. But he's on his way. Okay, I didn't know if like... Yeah, because he went home very first. He asked Dalinar special permission to go home first. Okay, I didn't know if Brandon was playing around with a with a timeline or whatever, but okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Oh, uh, remember how Kaladin has another brother? I do, and he's so cute and chonky. Adolin is looking at a weird alien creature oh. called a horse. Yes! Questions about these guys. Uh-huh. So we know, we know as a fact that they have already hunted one species to extinction in order to get the gem hearts. Now they are also hunting, I think that was the great shells. They called them the great shells. Now yeah. they hunt the chasm fiends um, and the shattered plains. But we find out there is a third species, actually a fourth species. The other species are the Reshi Islands, the the giant islands themselves. Everyone assumes like uh-huh. the gem hearts would be like immeasurably huge. These are what do I call oh gum friends, G U M F R E M S, and that they also have gem hearts. But I'm assuming they're much smaller. But they're they're grown specifically, harvest specifically for their gem hearts. How many of these creatures can there be? <laughs> it's possible that many creatures on Roshar have gem hearts. Okay. But they're tiny. They're tiny. Not worth, let's be like prospecting for gold. Mm. So Adolin is hanging out looking at all of the like livestock that they have and he's feeling really bad because Sureblood isn't there and he's worried that Gallant is going to be lonely because Dalinar's not going to come hang out with this horse while there's all this war stuff going on. 
And Adolin just and feels so bad. Emily, you have just found out how you get a Reichadium. No, I didn't. Big enough to carry a shard bearer without looking small, Reichadium were often called the third shard. Oh. Blade, plate, and mount. That didn't do them justice. You couldn't earn a Reichadium simply by defeating someone in combat. They chose their riders. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant like physically where we find them. Oh, no. Got it. Sorry. And so Sadius always wanted one. Amaram always wanted one. They were not worthy. But none of the Reichadium ever chose them. Yeah. Yes, Emily. Um, but Adolin thought as Gallant nuzzled his hand, I suppose that was how it used to be with Blades too. They were Spren who chose their bears. Nobody else knows that. How does Adolin know that? I'm sure they've talked between but like I think Kaladin has told them about Syl between books. Oh, okay. I think at, at this point you gotta assume Sholan and Kaladin have told Dalinar information. So like everyone's on the same page okay. at this point. Okay. And like Everybody knows about the existence of pattern yeah. now. Yeah. He he was purring too loudly to be hidden for long. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Adolin's like, I'm just, I thought I'd stop by every so often and like visit you. And then Gallant makes this noise like he's offended. And Adolin's very quick to be like, not to ride you. Like never that. Like I know that's like way out of bounds. But I love that we've got Adolin who talks to his sword. Adolin comes and talks to horses. Like I love Adolin so much even though he's in spite of him being a secret murderer which oh, I don't think like, was his maybe boss. Gallant would let him brush his coat sometimes that would be nice oh my gosh okay Adolin went from I love the journey that we've been on with him so far from this guy who just seems like an idiot because he doesn't know how to talk to women to I have a beating heart <laughs> He talks to his dead sword. I, I have got to, okay. Ugh. Somehow I'm hoping that somehow the swords will wake up. The spren will be reinfused with life somehow down the road. I don't know how that's going to work. And if it does work, the spren will probably go choose somebody else besides Adolin. But he's taking really good care of his sword. And I'm, I love that yeah, about him. Yeah, so like. Here's the thing. We saw we saw Syl die and come back. Mm-hmm. But it was because her Radiant broke his vow and then fixed his vow. Yeah. And I think the Radiant that owned Adolin's sword is dead way too long mm-hmm. for that to work. But what if someone promised to fulfill the oath that had been broken? Maybe. We'll have to see if... Listen, we'll get Zeth and Nightblood back in okay, here, right? yes. <laughs> and then Nightblood will teach Adolin's sword how to talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then Adolin's sword can tell him, uh, hey, I choose you. <laughs> I chose. Okay. I ch- we chose, yeah. Uh, and we will try and get that sorted. Okay. <gasps> sorted. <laughs> get it with the word sword. It was a pun. It was a pun. Um, that's where you take a word that I, sounds like I, another word. I went to English school. I know what a pun is. <laughs> so I was editing the guest, and there's a bit where Deli was talking about, oh, yeah, so these priests are expert exorcists. And then I go, oh, so they're... And you immediately say, don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, so they are. Don't do it. I'm going to do it. They're 
expertists. <laughs> and Dilly goes, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I have fun. That is fun. Okay, so. Uh, we get some brotherly interaction. Listen, Brandon is doing his best to put Renarin in the shadows for some reason. I am so eager to get a pov from renarin because like adolin explains at one point like renarin kind of sounds like he goes on a lot of like non sequitur tangents but Mm -hmm. it's just because his brain is going his thoughts are going so fast that his mouth can't keep up with it and so it's like that uh it's like when like you're talking to someone and then they make some sort of comment and you're like that's like five steps removed from what we're talking about, which Megan, this happens with you all the time. And you're like, okay, here's how I got to it. We were talking about this, which reminded me of this, which this actor was in here. And then another actor from there was in this. And that's why I'm talking about this other person. But like that just happens in your head. And so Renarin has so much story potential. And I'm actually a little upset right now that Brandon won't give it to me and I can't have it. And I want it. I agree with you. I want, I, I want to know. <laughs> Can you show me? <laughs> the thing is, oh, go ahead. I was just going to, I was just going to say you're going to have to rape Because the thing is, I'm getting the impression that Renarin is incredibly intelligent. Like maybe even on par getting up there to Yasna. I mean, they are related. You know, I would think cousins. that they're cousins. Yeah. And Renarin has kind of figured out a lot of stuff on his own. And I'm almost wondering if the reason Brandon hasn't let us, quote unquote, talk with Renarin very much or interact with him very much is because he's figuring all of this stuff out at a much faster rate than everybody else. And Brandon needs to be able to pace it differently for the story. And something else Renarin brings up here that's so heartbreaking is that he's like, hey, I was just starting to fit in with Bridgeport. I was just, like, finding my footing, and I, he had earned, he'd really, like, earned his place. Yeah. And now he's been made a Radiant, and, which puts him on par with Kaladin, who I'm just, listen, we haven't seen from Renarin's point of view, but I'm projecting that he sees Kaladin as, like, a hero far above him. Renarin does, Elokar does, like, yeah. Yeah. Has also put him on the same playing field as Shallan, who apparently hates his guts. <laughs> and Renarin's like, this is hard. Like, I'm, I'm, and he talks with Aelin about his worries for this, that like, his, for the first time, Dalinar is expecting huge things of Renarin. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I think that's going to be some pressure on this poor kid. And he's like, what if I hurt someone or ruin things? You're not going to, Adolin said. Renarin, that's the power of the Almighty himself. Renarin only stared at that glowing hand and didn't seem convinced. So Adolin reached out with his good hand and took Renarin's holding hand. Okay, so as he reassures, listen, he talks to his horse, he talks to his... You know how all the time we're like, all these problems will be solved if you just talk to each other? Adolin talks and Adolin listens and Ad- okay I like to imagine that Renarin and Adolin are sibling autism and ADHD uh adjacent no what do, what do you call it solidarity okay that like they get they understand each other in a way that other people don't mm-hmm. I mean they're brothers I mean I think you and I talk in a way that like other people don't yeah but he like knows what to say but anyway oh 
can I can I just bring something up really fast? Uh, the yeah. idea that Adolin talks and he listens, and like we are seeing what a good person he is. What is wrong with all those other women that they're just like, ah, I'm so offended. Like, ladies, 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 come on. Honestly, projecting, I think it's the ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, he gets like hyper obsessed with something that's not the girl he's dating. Like solving the mystery of the cut saddle and taking the girls to a horse leather tannery place on a day yeah yeah Yeah. where and also he's he's handsome he's a prince he's all these things but he still doesn't perfectly behave socially the way that you would expect like he doesn't do the societal dance Mm -hmm. of I'm thinking, like, of a lot of Regency stuff with, like, there's all this etiquette of, like, by this date it should be like this, and by this date it should be like this. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like a lot of the women he's dated, um, and one thing, listen, he was not a super faithful boyfriend. He would flirt with one girl and then another and then another because they couldn't keep his attention either. Uh-huh. And the the girls don't keep up. And I think with Shalon. It's the very first time that someone's been, like, just as afraid of, like... Like, Shalon doesn't know the etiquette or the social niceties either. Right. And she's able to be authentic with him instead of being like, these are the parts that we play in a courtship. And it's helped them find an authentic connection. Not that the other women he is always dated were, like, heartless or whatever, but he was never able to build an authentic connection with either of them because they had different expectations of how you should behave with a partner going into their relationships. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was beautiful. Thanks. What happens when Renarin smiles? A pulse of radiance, radiance, capital R, washed through Adolin, and for an instant he saw himself perfected. A vision of himself that was somehow complete and whole, the man he could be. Does this mean that Renarin is like, would stand right next to Shallan on the Wheel of Radiance where their powers would overlap? Because she she would draw people as they could be and like, Adolin, but or maybe Adolin's just seeing the truth of like, here's the truth of who you are. So it's so funny you say that because I was so excited to tell you that Truth Watchers are definitely on the wheel next to Edge Dancers. Okay. Because he demonstrates that he's got healing powers like Lyft. But now that you've said this and I'm looking at the wheel, yes, he is. Truth Watchers are right between Light Weavers and Edge Dancers. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, so the the surge of healing is called progression. Mm-hmm. And then the other surge is called illumination. Okay. And now he's not going to be a light weaver like Shalon. He's going to use his illumination, his seeing people as they should be differently. But Emily, wow. Look at Emily! you. Look at me. Look at us. <laughs> yes, oh. look at us. <laughs> look at us. All right. Yeah, I love that Renarin kind of feels the burden of being a Radiant. Like, Kaladin is like, being a Radiant is great. I can protect other people. Like, he has no qualms about it. But, like, 
Renarn is the one that like I think he maybe overthinks it a little bit. I'm hoping like he'll he'll find some like comfort. He'll kind of like I don't want to say calm down. That's not that's not what I'm saying because like you tell a person with anxiety to calm down. That's not going to work, okay? Everyone needs to know this and take this into their hearts and understand this. Don't ever tell someone with anxiety, if you just calm down, everything's cool. Uh-uh. No, don't do it. And so I I like the gravitas that Renarin lends to the role. I think maybe he's leaned maybe into it a little too hard, but I don't know. It just feels like he's very respectful to the role. And he's not just going to run around and, you know, he's not a lift. You need all kinds. Yeah. I'm not saying Lyft shouldn't be doing that, but you need all kinds. Lyft is like very joyful and very like, let's go do a thing. And Renarin is going to be like, what would the consequences be of me doing this thing? Like, I just like the different the different personalities that there are. Hey, let's go into chapter 11, <gasps> The Rift. The Rift. There is so much so this good is, stuff in this. This is a flashback, so there is no epigraph. No. But uh, this was... Hey, Emily, how about these Dalinar flashbacks? Oh, my gosh. 33 years ago. Oh, how, man, how do you describe Dalinar? <laughs> like, it's definitely Dalinar, and it's definitely not the Dalinar we know, but it is the Dalinar that became the Dalinar that we know. Like, mm-hmm. he's not just a hot-headed, brash, impetuous youth. He, okay, I'm seeing him as a combination of Adolin and Renarin at this point. Of, like, wanting to jump in and be the hero and, like, bring honor and glory. But by the end of the the end of the end chapter, he's, like, mulling over what he has done. Like, I don't know. I just, I really liked to see, like, Renarin is part of Dalinar and Adolin is part of Dalinar. And we, we see those characteristics come through so strong. Uh, Dalinar has his new shard plate. Yes. And guess how he got it? He kicked a man off, off a, a cliff. cliff. He pushed somebody off Blue a cliff. Tunes. <laughs> yeah. Which I've always wanted people to get pushed off of cliffs. So, you know. So Sadius is pushing Dalinar to marry mm-hmm. for politics. And Dalinar says, if Gavilar commands me, I will. Mm-hmm. And Gavilar said, don't bring me into this. And he's constantly summoning and dismissing his shard blade as they talk. Yeah. But, uh, but like Sadia says, like hey. think of the benefit your wedding. This is Sadia saying this: your wedding could bring yeah. us alliances, shards. Perhaps you could win us a princedom. And like Sadius is coming at this from a very logical angle, of like we wouldn't have to do all this legwork if you would just get married. And the thing with this is like Dalinar was in love. Like he he's in love with Navani, but you know mm-hmm. she, he he doesn't even say. He doesn't even say her name. He's just like, oh, the woman that Gavilar married, they had a little girl together. Like, they had like, a girl, baby. Yes, <laughs> yes. there was a little dark hair and behind the baby, baby. Well, baby yeah, heretic. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he doesn't even use Navani or Yasna's name. Like, he, he doesn't even allow yeah. himself to do that. And so I, I love this idea that, like, Dalinar is a romantic. Like, yes, he is a war leader. He's the Blackthorn. But I think deep down, Dalinar just wants love and romance. And just go get married does not fulfill that need in him. Well, yeah, he's, he's a man of extreme passion. Mm-hmm. And the only object of his affection is out of his grasp. So he's like, what else is there? Yeah. 
based off of Sadius's point of view chapter of the way that Sadius viewed himself as like, I'm not kingly. If you were to look at me, I am not kingly. Mm-hmm. But like, turns out all of their planning, all of their logistics, all of their political savvy, that's Sadius. Yeah. And Gavilar is the handsome face, and Dalinar is the blunt weapon, and Sadius is really, like, the brains of this operation at this point. Yeah, he tells him, like, because Dalinar's like, eh, leave it alone. And he's like, Dalinar, this is a necessity. You can't escape this forever because we have to worry about feeding the Dark Eyes, about city infrastructure, about ties with other kingdoms, politics. Like, okay, I can't believe I'm saying this, okay? Lightning may strike me. But every like sure, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> um, every kingdom needs a Sadius. Someone and I. Okay, I hate, I hate how the bad guys in shows are always like, like the admin people or like this, you know, the secretary that's gone evil. But and they're like, I was just thinking about all this stuff that we have to do and get done, and nobody else was worrying about it, so I just took matters into my own hands, like. That's why you have city planners. That's why city planning is a thing you can become. Like, people move in. Like, I live in an area in in Utah next to several brand new cities. And a lot of the news articles are about the lack of infrastructure and the lack of planning ahead of having enough water for the residents of the town. Like, a lot of times it feels like they're like, we'll just build a town and worry about it later. And that hap- that has happened in multiple of these new cities in utah like it's 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 very interesting but i can't believe i'm rooting for sadius in these chapters i can't believe it and it's like now we see why he's like his wiliness is his biggest strength Mm -hmm. his cleverness is his strength and also we see here that he finds brutality to be logical and a means to an end Uh where he's like he has been pushing Gavilar to be crueler and to be more terrible in order to cow the other high princes into bowing to them. Because Sadius is like, if we just, like, gruesomely destroy a couple of them, the rest will fall into line. And that reminds me a lot of how he ran his bridge cruise, where he's like, we will treat the bridgemen like and we'll kill as many of them as we need to because it will protect the men I actually value and it will make me faster and it will get me shards better. So he is all about that thin, hard line means to an end. Yeah, so they are here to basically take over. I'm assuming this is kind of what I got out of it. They're here to attack one of the high princes and like take his princedom. Like this is how they're, I think they are following Sadius's suggestion uh and so this is bright lord tanalan t-a-n-a-l-a-n which is a very alith car ish name it's almost a palindrome but not Mm -hmm. quite because you want to be perfect but not quite and i i the conversations between these these characters between gavilar and dalinar and sadius about like Dalinar's like, we're going after Tanalan, right? And Sadie's like, we we went over this multiple times, man. And Dalinar's like, I was drunk. Like, what are you gonna do with me? But Ugh, but what are you gonna? But do? yeah, but Sadie's is like, okay, remember the plan. And then 
Gavilar and Dalinar are like, bye! And they just, like, rush in. Just, like, go. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being a trap. Mm-hmm. So, like, Dalinar is just reveling in, literally, the thrill of his new armor, all this sort of stuff. And Sadius is like, take out the catapults. When Dalinar gets to the catapults, he... He stops and he thinks, and if this guy wasn't a drunkard, if he actually put his mind towards it, he could do the, what do you call it when you do the thinking and the planning in a battle? Logistics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He could do the tactics and the logistics if he, you know, had a clear head and wasn't just always following his emotions because he realizes what's happening just before it all collapses underneath them. Um, so it's been rigged up to collapse. Uh, it's a trap to get Delinar. And I found that interesting that the way he took out a shard bearer was to kick him off a cliff. And people are like, oh, that's how you kill a shard bearer is to rip the ground out from underneath him. And too bad for Tanalan, it didn't work. And that... It barely slowed him down. Yeah. Um, but first, Emily, sorry. This is the rift is important. Tell me about this town. Tell me about how the rift is set. It's up. built inside a rift. Okay, that's a terrible way to put it. But it's a it's a city that's down. Like you're on a mm-hmm. cliff and you look down into like the crevasse. It's built mm-hmm. inside that crevasse. Yeah, it's it's like a city's in an envelope made of rock, pretty that much. That is a great way to put it, Megan. Thank you. Yeah, they're trying to find the Bright Lord. People are yelling and screaming, Blackthorn, Blackthorn, as he approaches. Yes. He's, his reputation proceeds you. Also my spider tab. Um, and he bends his, he breaks his hammer almost instantly. Sadius tosses him another hammer, because Sadius also has a shard mm-hmm. hammer. Um, but also eventually, Taleb shows up, and he... Gets Dalinar a bow. That's the that's the archer from the previous chapter, right? The previous flashback, yep. the one that Dalinar recruited. Mm-hmm. So the guy he's up against, Talalan, Tanalan, Tanalan. I'm gonna say Tanalan. Okay, you're probably right. Okay. Tanalan only has a shard blade mm-hmm. and no plate. Yeah. And Dalinar's like. People really put importance on a shard blade, but without the armor, I just need to get you once. He does and so, the same thing that Adolin was doing, pretending to draw this out, pretending to be tired. Again, love it. Tanalan says, you should not have come here. We had no quarrel with you or yours. Dalinar says, you refused to submit to the king. And uh, Tanalan has some, I think, very rightful thoughts on this. Emily, tell us what Tanalan says. He says, there hasn't been a throne in Alethkar for generations. Even if we were to have a king again, who is to say the Colins deserve the mantle? And Dalinar just comes right back. He's like, whoever is strongest gets to be king. And currently, that's us. You should submit to us. Like, duh. Like, everyone has their own circular logic, and it's not going to overlap. Like, yeah. Like, I'd kind of forgotten that Gavilar had united, quote-unquote, uni- well, here's the interesting thing. You talk about Gavilar united the princedoms. No, Gavilar, like, crushed them into submission. There was no un- unification. It was join or die. Like, yeah. yeah. We are, oh, we're presented with a storified version of it in book mm-hmm. one, and... No wonder no one listens to Elokar 
in comparison to how his father was. And like, uncle. You know, we, we, on our discussions in book one, we were pretty much talking about how like, oh yeah, the hardest part after a kingdom's been founded is in the life of its first heir. Blah, 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 blah. When like, Gavilar has maybe been king for 20 years total after like centuries of no king. So like, of course the country's immediately like, okay, we should split back apart again immediately. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no one here to make us do this anymore. And so so Dalinar does a bit of the fighting and the fight ends in the end. Oh. They're both down. Yes. And he's getting ready to, you know, to go for another round with, you know, the honor guard swarm. Because, listen, at this point, Dalinar is missing two pieces of his uh, plate. Mm-hmm. He's cracks crevasses all over we know from seeing kaladin fight shard bearers that like this is the time to take out dalinar pelt him just like the chasm fiends pelt him with arrows Mm -hmm. but the honor guard takes tanalan instead yeah they protect him and they where do they take him they take him into basically a panic room that uh the only reason dalinar is able to find it is he sees them go there yeah it's it's a, it's a hidden door. They do something to open this secret door in, right into the walls of the cliff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this was... Like, I don't have the right words to describe how I feel about this part. Because it is... Dalinar takes out... I mean, it kind of has... It kind of has the same vibe as the assassination by Zeth at the beginning. Where, like, people are trying to protect the king and... There's just the thing that's coming after the king. There's nothing like nothing can stop down. Like no one can stop Dalinar. No one can stop the Blackthorn. There's a line that Tanalan had earlier during their fight. Uh-huh. Um, you don't have to pull sorrow behind you like a sledge on the stones, scraping and crushing those you pass. You're a monster. And Tanalan at this point is dead. Yeah. He's dead and his shard blade has fallen. And there's a woman weeping over him. And who else is in the room? The heir to the princedom, this little six or seven year old boy who goes and takes up his father's sword. And it's like, daddy says, we fight monsters. And, oh, you find out that... Dalinar is a monster. Dalinar is a monster. Thank goodness we cut away. Uh Because... Sadie Stephen brings up like people are not going to be happy you killed the high prince and the heir to the you know princedom and I just kind of went like listen it makes perfect sense from a warring standpoint because you don't want to leave the purple pimpernelled you know kid alive to come back with a claim later like you just take care of all the problems at once like oh my son crap hole the baby killer <laughs> <Yeah>. <sighs> but dalinar has a blade now mm-hmm. and gavilar says enjoy Oathbringer. you've earned it Ooh. emily who did this sword belong to it was the Sunmaker, sadie's the Sunmaker. Sadie's the Sunmaker, whoever it is. It was the Sunmaker. And we've heard this name before, but I don't know. Like, I, it just says he had been the last man to unite Alethkar centuries ago. 
So like with the, with the swords, they mentioned this a little earlier again in this chapter about how precious they are and that like almost like their lineage is recorded of who owns it and who has it and you know, it's just kept track of, which is interesting because Yasna has, well Yasna has uh, a blade because it's ivory, but um, the assassin that Yasna works with has a shard blade how do you steal a shard blade and keep it a secret? Or is it like with women's script? Like there's a bunch of women who, who have these shard blades and keep track of it on like with women's script so that no one can track it or trace it, if that makes sense. So. Well, I'm, I'm going to help you out. Okay. The way that you keep a shard blade secret is you just don't let anyone know you have it. Like, once it's bonded, it is secret. No one will know you have it unless you summon it in front of Got them. Got it. But I will tell you where we've heard Sunmaker before. We definitely saw a bust or a relief of him in the in the earlier book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adolin mentions it earlier. Uh-huh. And while it is not called Sunmaker, Elokart named his shard blade... Sun Razor. Okay. And I think it's interesting that Dalinar has the actual blade of the Sunmaker. Mm-hmm. But Elokar has a blade that's named after the king because I feel like Dalinar has the real glory and Elokar has like I want to be connected with this. Yeah. But it's like in Game of Thrones where Prince uh-huh. Joffrey names his sword, I think, Heart Eater or Heart Biter or something. Widow's Wail. Oh, oh. I thought someone had a sword named, like, Heart Render or Heart Eater. And and you compare, like, King Joffrey to Daenerys, who, like, actually ate a heart. Like, oh, like yeah. just the difference between, between those two. I haven't read or seen Game of Thrones, so if I did get that wrong, I do apologize. Hey, uh... So Dalinar from the past seems a little different. Just a little bit. Granted, a lot can happen in 33 years. Uh The thing is, again, I love that we see who Dalinar will become. Like, I think we're seeing the seeds being planted of, like, he doesn't seem like a total stranger, even though he's, like, several decades younger. It's still the Dalinar that we know, but I'm so intrigued to see the path he takes. All right. Well, let's do heralds and then song of the week and then prediction all right so eight a powerful lie who's who is that uh that's shalash we've got two shalashes four shalashes Mm -hmm. which is you know um shalon's patron saint and namesake a little yeah all right uh chapter nine the threads of a screw oh this is a woman with the circlet and the earrings and we don't see her hardly ever is it? We don't very often. This Batar? is Batar. Ah! <laughs> hey! Thank you. Wow! Thank you. Uh, she is about being wise and being careful, which I think Adolin will have to be now that he is investigating himself for <laughs> murder. Poor dude. What murder? <laughs> uh, chapter 10, Distractions. Uh, this is the woman who looks like Storm. This is interesting that mm-hmm. so far each chapter has had the same 
Harold. There's not yeah. it's not split between between two of them. Except for that one chapter where we had all Except four. Except for of that them. one. That was yeah. cool. Is this Paula? That is Paula. <laughs> hey. It only took me three Look books. Look how good you are. Uh, she is uh, a she's the divine attribute of being learned and being giving. Mm-hmm. And she is also the patron of the truth watchers, which I believe connect. Listen, I think it's the Renar and Adolin connection. But this is a Kaladin chapter. Uh, In the second half of the chapter, it's Adolin. It's split between the two. Got it, got it. And then we have the rift, which is Nalen. (gasps) We're seeing the truth of Dalinar. Justice. Justice. I thought Nalen was. Nope, Nalen is justice. You're right. Nalan is justice. We Palia is truth. Um, Nalan is about being well. He's about being just, but his second attribute is confidence. Oh, which Dalinar has in space. <laughs> so yeah, um, I wouldn't say it's ne- necessarily just what Dalinar's doing, but boy, is he sure confident. About it. <laughs> um, I'm at a bit of a loss for the song of the week. We could do He Had It Coming from from Chicago <laughs> of of Adolin. Oh, you ran into my knife ten times. <laughs> what what are you thinking for songs this week? Um, to be honest, I Maybe hadn't... we will rock you for a cliff getting dropped on Dalinar and he's still fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think we are. No. Do we already have that song? No, because we're we starting. Did in... For the dueling Sorry. ring. Yeah. It's all right. There's just not enough songs in the world. These books are too long. And we've run out of songs. There are no, uh, there are no more possible songs. All right, so we've got Shalon freaking out and drawing her tower. We have uh, Kaladin being like, "What happened?" And it's fine. We have the the horse. We have the horse statement. We have the brother statement. Okay, why don't we do the brothers song from Pokemon the movie? I don't know that song, but I'm excited. To have it. I'll give you a clip. I'll give you a preview of it right here. <laughs> brother, my brother, tell me what are we fighting for? We have got to end this war. We should love one another. Okay, that's it. And it'll be about Adolin and Renarin, but also slightly about Dalinar and Gavilar. Perfect. Which, oh, Emily, please watch out for Echoes of History either. Are we going to repeat the Dalinar Gavilar storyline with Adolin no. and Renarin, or are we going to break a generational? We're breaking chain, generational so. chains and curses. Well, I hope for their <laughs> sake. So let's keep watching. Okay. So predictions. We know that Dalinar. It was mentioned that Dalinar eventually married his wife because she had shards, yeah. but Dalinar's already gone. That's what I was just thinking. He already has them. They don't need blade. them. So. I wonder if it was a choice between two people and he went with the one that Gavilar didn't like or something to like almost like stick it to his brother. But he also seems like he's doing his very best to not let his brother know he's mad at him or Uh upset about Gavilar marrying Navani. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And here's another thing. You... Back in book one, you were able to deduce one thing. It's about how their mom looks. She's not a lethe. What color's her hair? It's blonde. So it looks like, from what you already know, 
the wife is not from one of the Alethi princedoms. So were they... Was he trying to create alliances outside of Alethkar? Like, was he even back then trying to unite everybody? Did Dalinar choose his wife? Oh. Did Sadius pick her from a catalog? <laughs> Male order bride. Uh, Dalinar said, I won't marry unless Dalinar orders me. So Gavilar. is this someone Dalinar's going to fall in love with and, and go against Gavilar for? Oh. Or is this someone, or is it an arranged marriage? If it's someone he really loves, then the idea that he can't remember her is even worse. I feel like maybe that's what Brandon would go for. <laughs> nice. All right. So next week, we're going to read Chapter 12, Negotiations. Chapter 13, Chaperone. I don't know that we should read four chapters each week because we just talked for two hours. I know, okay. I know. Except here's the thing. Chapter 14, Squires Can't Capture, is two pages. Okay. Otherwise, I would have just done three. Okay. So, Chapter 14, Squires Can't Capture, and Chapter 15, Brightness Radiant. I don't like... And then I'll... I'll, I'll I don't like that photo. I don't like that picture. You don't like Brightness Radiant? No. Um, the last page... Don't look at I it. I was... What's it? was putting my bookmark in so I don't read ahead. It's just right there. I don't like okay. it. I don't like it. I don't like it. So yeah, next week we are reading four more chapters, and then I'll, I'll pull us back a little bit and do three. But like, Emily, I would rather have, and I think our listeners would agree, listeners, write and tell us, <laughs> I would rather have longer episodes and get through the book itself quicker, mm-hmm. because this is going to be your favorite book. I know. I love it already. Hopefully. Maybe things in the Sander Lanch could change your mind, Ooh. but I hope they don't. <laughs> Anyway, uh, my name is Megan, and I didn't even tell you guys what I was supposed to be doing before the show started, so um, my name is Megan, and I gotta carry some of these cups back into the kitchen. (laughs) My name is Emily, I gotta get back to working on my book! But instead... Instead! We're not gonna do a podcast! podcast. (laughs) I said we're doing a podcast, and you didn't say anything. We're not doing a podcast! That's not what. No, it's okay, the end we're dumping of the podcast. It's the end of the podcast. We can't podcast more. We're scheduled to do another podcast today. You drove me here. <laughs> Great listeners, you heard it. I'm free. I get to go lie down on the hot spot on my floor and take care of my aching muscles. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> oh no! All right, bye, everyone. I love you. We believe in you that too. Ready? Break! <laughs>